Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley. Back again, right before TLT, we've got two teams left in the Supercoach preseason previews. One of them is the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and the other one is the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Going to do the St. George Illawarra Dragons this episode. Obviously, it's a week of TLT, so pushing it pretty fine, but still wanted to do a full proper Dragons preview. And for this one, I actually got someone that we haven't had on the podcast before. And that is a guy that I know that has done very well in super coach in the past, had some great ranks, has some fantastic input, but also happens to be an absolute mad dragon supporter that gets a lot of good info around the traps of that, of that dragons team in that club. And uh, I thought it'd be great to get him on. So his name is Marty. Marty, welcome aboard, mate. I'm glad to find a dragon supporter that I can get on that can uh, talk some good super coach with me. Yeah, it's been a while. I've had a few podcasts, so I've just been so busy. I'm fishing all the time, but you got me. I'm sort of out of Kakadu and into Darwin and sitting in front of a computer for the first time in a long time. So, yes, I'm interested because I feel like we have different opinions on the Dragons this year. We probably do, Um, but, you know, that's a good thing. It'll be a good chat about them because I think we will have pretty different opinions on them, but um, Marty is in Kakadu, guys, as well, so it is a bit of a long-range record. So if there's a little bit of not quite as much polish on the audio as normal, that's the reason why. But you, we can give him a break because everyone wants to go and fish in Kakadu. So <laughs> he's living the dream. Look, mate, let's talk about where they are at at the moment as far as the Dragons, as far as the ins and outs of this particular team. Now, when we're having a look at the differences between 2021 and, and 2022, on the Talk and Footy episode, uh, me and Luke Garrity dissected Gus Gould's comments recently that uh, he thinks it's crazy that the Dragons are being looked at as a potential wooden spooner, uh, as a bottom four type of team, thinks that they can challenge for the eight and, and all this type of thing. I'm definitely in the boat that I disagree with Gould a little bit. Um, I tend to think you're all probably going to be on the other side, so I'm interested to get your opinion. But before we do, let's just look at the tail of the tape. So the Dragons on the table for 2021 were 11th. Uh, finishing a few spots out of the eight, obviously. A couple of interesting things with them. Um, uh, As far as point scoring, um, they were reasonable. There was one team below them that scored better points. They didn't actually score better than anyone ahead of them other than the Newcastle Knights, which are abysmal. Uh, Defensively, wasn't as good as what you'd want it to be if you're going to be a top eight side. Barely better than the Warriors, who are below them. Uh, better than the bottom four teams defensively, but that's that's really about it. They were very clearly a lot worse defensively than the top ten teams in front of them. Uh, the home and away split was pretty telling too. Four and eight, four and eight. Normally, Dillawarra especially, um, let alone Cogra, they've got a pretty good record in in prior years. Wasn't really the case in 2021. So for 2022, mate, like for me, we'll go through the ins and outs in a minute. But for me, I I can't see them being hugely different. Like, I think that my range, if I were to say, the range would basically be 10 to 16. Uh, and I do think that if I was to put money on it, they'd be a bottom four team. So I certainly disagree with Gould in that, you know, they're being hard done by. I think that they've kind of earned that spot. But what about for you? How did you feel about 2021 as a Dragons fan? And how do you see 2022 shaping up? Um, so last year was depressing. Um, but to be honest with you, 
with the exception of our Bradbury moment where we signed Bennett and got a couple of minor premierships and won the comp in 2010. Um, last year was disturbingly like most of the last sort of two decades of being a Dragon supporter. You know, we, we've got a club that isn't run well. We struggle getting good coaches. We struggle getting the players that we've needed. Um, and so you know, the truth of it is it, it, it just hasn't been great. Um, the thing that I think made 2021 strange is that when you look at it and you go, they finished 11th, um, it actually kind of sounds okay. I mean, you know, it's not a top eight finish, but there's nothing to be ashamed about it coming 11th. But the style of play that we rolled out last year was just shocking. It was so boring. It was just one out plays. We got pumped every game. We lost the ruck. If you look at our post-contact metres, we came second last. If you look at our the total metres conceded, second last. We had no... Um, no base. And so with all of these sort of bright young footballers coming through, if you can't establish a foundation and particularly in the middle, if you can't get it tough up the front, like if you can't actually win that game, then you're going to really struggle out wide. And so when you look at the other stats, tackle busts, third last, offloads, fourth last, line breaks, 11th, you know, everywhere you look, you, you there's not actually a single statistic in the Dragons that you can look at and go, well, that was great. Um, I can see why... Giffen has done the money ball signings that he's done, and I can see where his focus is. And it's very much going, the Dragons are really lucky. Um, we have three young footballers coming through in three of the four most important positions on the field that are absolutely brilliant. All three of them could easily become internationals. Um, and you're lucky to get that one year in 30 in a club, right? So we're looking at, a, at, a, at an incredibly unusual scenario for us and we are opening up a premiership window in the next couple of years. But the key to that is to get a group of blokes in the middle that can actually dominate. And we were so weak last year. We got dominated every single game. It was a really horrid, horrid year. It's the first time in my life, and I'm 50, the first time in my life I actually just struggled to watch to the end of a game a lot of times. Yeah, it was sort of, they were very run-of-the-mill. Um, and my grandfather's a big Dragons fan and he just didn't want to watch them last year the way it was going. But, I mean, I, I don't disagree with a lot of your assessment there. Like, I do really like some of the young guys the Dragons have. and I do think the next few years they will improve. Uh, but the thing with that and why I sort of said I disagreed with Gus and sort of still see them as probably a bottom four team is because I think that it takes a few years. Like, and the thing with the NRL that I think a lot of fans sort of dismiss or sort of forget about is uh, I've spoken with Luke and also with Billy about this plenty of times where we put such an emphasis on, okay, they finished 11th. So if you finish 10th, you do a lot better. Or if you finish like 13th, you've done a lot worse. It's not the case. Like the Dragons could finish 13th this year and actually be an improved team to what that we, we saw from them last year. It's just the way that the seasons go, and and this is my big point to the whole, you know, Wide World of Sports and Channel 9 article and Gus Gould and stuff. The way the NRL is, it's just just because you miss the aid or where you finished, it doesn't mean that you're terrible. It, but the NRL is a, is a comp where there's no terrible, terrible teams. I mean, the Bulldogs were terrible last year, but that's one out of 16 teams. The other 15 were pretty competitive. And then obviously fall off and stuff at, at different times. So certainly this year, when you look at sides like that were at the bottom, you know, the Bulldogs have improved, the Broncos have improved, the Tigers, you could argue, but they're the same, have they improved? Maybe, but they're not probably worse. Like, 
when you're looking at the bottom teams, there's no one really that much worse. And when you're looking at the top sort of 10 teams, some of those might have gotten worse. Certainly Newcastle look like they might be worse. But, you know, if they were, if they're top eight or fringe top eight, then what's worse? You know, maybe they dropped to 10. So it's just a hard comp, mate, isn't it? So, you know, they could finish 11th the same and still have a really big improvement on last year. So I don't disagree on the fact that they will be better or, or have that improvement in them. Just that that doesn't necessarily translate them to them definitely not being like a top bottom four type of team, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So from my, you've actually hit the nail on the head there. So from my perspective as a fanatic, um, if you sort of go, well, what do you want in the season? The answer is I don't want a top eight finish. That's not actually what I'm going for. And that's not actually what I expect could happen. But the thing that's nice about it this year compared to previous years is that it could happen. You know, um, the the drive through the middle and the speed that we've got, the Dragons are going to be a lot faster this year. Right? And I don't mean necessarily express speed, you know, of Dufty versus Sloan. I mean that with the way Giffen's going to move his bench around, everyone is faster. It's going to be a lot more creative. They're going to play heads-up football. Um, but I'm really looking towards that sort of 2023 to probably more 2024 to 26. And all of these guns that we've got, they're all signed already on these contracts to take them through into that period. So for me, I want the processes to go well. I want it to be a more interesting team to follow. I want to be proud of the guys. I want to see some creative energy and output and I don't just want to be systematic formulaic rubbish like we've seen in the last few years um and I personally have the Dragons finishing 10th or 11th and so you might go well but hold on they came 11th last year it's like yes but the difference is that we're not going to be a training run for teams like the Storm yep and as a supporter I haven't seen a team that I feel is going to win like half the time it's really difficult to even work out the game plan now McGregor had no game plan right Price had no game plan um, Griffin is starting to develop a game plan and you can see in the Eels game and the Charity Shield in particular, you can see that it's not just going to be this boring one out, tuck it under your arm, unsupported plays like we've had, you know. So um, so I think the point you made is valid. Um, I can absolutely see why someone think the Drags would finish in the bottom four. I can absolutely see why people might look at some of the signings and go, oh, gee, that doesn't sound very exciting. But I tell you right now, if you are a moneyball kind of person and you look at what the dragons are signed the weaknesses that we had and the money that we paid to fix those holes griffin's been very very astute in the way he's gone about this stuff um so yeah I, i'm actually i'm 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 excited for this season this is actually the most excited for the season i've been in a long time yeah i mean with the player movements um i'm i'm in two minds about it so i'll do the the classic compliment sandwich i don't um in a vacuum i don't mind the signings really do think that they're not as good for the Dragons as what they would be for other teams. So let's go through the gains that they've got at the moment. George Burgess, Jack Kozowski from Manly, Moses Embai, Moga, uh, Francis Molo from the Cowboys, Aaron Woods, Moses Suley and Jaden Sewer. Fair few guys there that uh, are going to be in the 17. They're, they're the main ones. And you pretty much say most of those guys, aside from Moga, uh, maybe Kozowski are going to be in the 17 for most of the year. With the losses, I think that it's pretty clear that Dufty um, is a pretty big loss. Uh, McInnes didn't play last year, so that's a loss from before. Uh, Norman won't be a loss 
Um, and then, you know, Paul Vaughan went halfway through the year. So, Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, five years ago, I would have actually thought, oh, Corey Norman might be lost, but uh, he's definitely uh, uh, outstanding welcome in the NRL. What a fun sponge. What a fun sponge Norman was. Yeah, he, he got a lot of money from the Dragons, at least. But, yeah, the, I think you've gotten some money out, okay? And I, I think that some of the signings are pretty pretty astute. Like, I, I was talking on a couple of the other podcasts that I actually think that, you know, guys like Woods are a decent signing. I don't like the the vitriol directed at Woods because in the right role for the right money, he's an NRL player. Um, and I made the comment that I'd, I would have liked him for minimum salary on the bench for the Roosters. But for the Dragons, yeah, you can get some experience in there, um, but it's not going to move the needle as much as what it's going to from one of maybe the top four or five teams that needed a front row punch off the bench. You know, I, I think it's better for those type of teams, but you didn't spend money on him. So it's not, it's not bad. Um, George Burgess is very questionable. I'm not sure how much you spend on him, but whether he has anything left, um, he hasn't played for a couple of years. I certainly wouldn't look at him as a great sign. He's, um, he was on two, he's on $210,000. Okay. So nice. it doesn't really matter when those guys don't work out, but at the same time, I don't think that anyone could really say that's really going to shift the needle too much. Um, for him. Um, look, Molo, I haven't been a huge fan of. We'll see what he can do. But I mean, he's one of those guys that was coming through like five years ago and he's just had five years of, of sort of chances to kind of break in and hasn't really done it. Um, I actually quite like the Moses Embi signing because he's not on heaps of money anymore. And Moses Embi is a good character and, uh, and a good guy. So I actually think that he's probably your best signing because of the money that you paid, uh, the character that he has, the leadership he has, and the versatility that he has. I actually really look quite like that. The one that I actually think that we're going to probably argue about a little bit is I've always thought that James Silver was, was a bit overrated and he did get decent money. Um, and I've always lamented the amount of money that people... Well, not people really. I only really heard the Dragons wanting to pay Suli big money the last couple of years. Paying him, I think, relatively big money for what he's done uh, is pretty scary. Um, so with signings like Woods, uh, Burgess, you know, you're not paying them much anyway. So it doesn't really matter. And they're journeyman end of their career type of contracts. It's fine. But for a Suli, you are actually locking up a big, bit of cash there. And he is someone that I could see being dropped to second grade if it doesn't work out. And someone that I think needed to be in a... I guess, more senior, better culture and club than what the Dragons are at at the moment. And that's no disrespect to the Dragons as much as they're also a very young club and you can't really help that. So for me, you know, I, I think that we laughed online with each other because I rated their <laughs> recruitment drive about a D plus. I don't think there's any way you can slice it where you can go like a couple of articles that I've read lately where you can say it was a they got prized recruits that were sought after. Uh, I don't think anyone would describe it like that. When you looked at what they signed, I'll, I'll just draw your attention back to the key thing to understand about these signings, and that is that we ran for no metres. Um, we ran for almost no post-contact metres, the second worst in the league. We Defensively, we were the second worst in the league through the middle. We just got absolutely smashed in the ruck, and it does not matter how brilliant a backline you can have. If your forwards aren't doing their job, then it's going to be really difficult for you for that purpose. And so if you look at those signings, and again, this is just my opinion on the whole thing. They signed Francis Milo. I think Milo is a good prop. Then you've got Woods. The key with Woods is that last year he was the fifth highest in post-contact metres across the league in every position. That's a bloke that statistically is exactly what we needed, and he's only 30. 
And so with Burgess, it's an interesting one. I actually hadn't realised how severe his injury was when he was playing at South. Like when he went and played um, over in, in England, you know, like I, I, I knew he'd, he'd missed the whole season, only played, came back for a few games, done the whole thing. You're talking about a guy that's barely played in two years. Um, but I hadn't realised that he hadn't been able to uh, train at all in his last two years at the Rabbits. And he hasn't had a proper full preseason since 2014, right? So I mean, you think back to what you saw of Burgess, and you know, he was a, he was awesome. Like he was so powerful. He was just this massive meter eater, man, right? Um, and he is the, another thing the Dragons really want on low money, which is he just busts through the ruck. He just destroys people. He's such a tough dude. Um, then you got Sewer. Um, he's a bit more creative than I thought. I think Bennett actually really improved him as a player last year. Um, so I, I like that as a signing. Um, so the, the commonality about all those signings really is we need to be tougher in the middle. We need to hit harder in the middle. We need to fight harder for every single metre. Um, we have to get post-contact metres. We have to establish a foundation. And when you've got some very, very fast and clever young backs, you need to give them time, you need to give them space, and you need to let them shine. Um, but really, we are positioning ourselves for 23. So I can understand why people would look at those signings and go, well, there's nothing much special about that. Um, but as a supporter, I think you probably view it in a different way. Okay. Well, I agree with a lot of the sentiment, Marty. Let's have a look at the draw, though, and talk about it for super coach purposes. Yeah, it's not... Great. So certainly the first couple of months is what we're really looking at for round one. And Warriors is an okay start, but then they hit the Panthers right up in round two. Uh, Sharks, Eels, Souths. So that first five weeks, it's, it's really not very good. Uh, three teams that could be top four to five out of their five games. Uh, then they hit the Knights. You think they've got a bit of a reprieve, but then they hit the Roosters. And then after the Roosters, they hit the Tigers. And you think, oh, here's the reprieve. And then they hit the Storm. So certainly the first couple of months is is shocking for super coach purposes. Um, and then they don't even have the round 13 buy that you can say, well, I'm going to sort of store a player there and, and leave them longer term. And then I've got the buy number already there, save a trade. They don't even play the round 13 buy. So that sucks as well. Uh, they do go on a bit of a run from basically round 10. And I think from round 10, excluding the fact they don't play the buy, that's, that's really when you want to start looking at the Dragons. Um, they are a team that has a run home on the back third of the season from from 20 to 25 rounds of Cowboys, Sharks, Raiders, Titans, Tigers, Broncos. So it does get a lot better for them in, in parts of the year. For Supercoach, I don't love the draw for round one purchases, I have to say. No. So um, I have one dragon in my team to start. Um, and I have to say, it's not uncommon for me to have no dragons in my team. <laughs> you know, like I do separate super coach from real football. It, it is it's not uncommon for me to not have any dragons in my side. Um, the thing I like about the dragons is that when you look at the players that you think you want by season's end, or even if you're just looking at players that you want for five weeks of matchups, there are actually some quite super coach relevant players in the Dragons team. And we haven't normally had that, right? Um, the issue is to go at what point do we get them in? 
So the thing about the Dragons draw is that while it's a really bad start, and as you say, normally at this time of year, you're focusing on the first kind of eight rounds or so, but from rounds 11 to 17, apart from that missed buy, it's actually a really nice roll. And then the run home is really nice as well. So I think the Dragons are one of those teams you sort of have to look at and just go, well, I'll probably be a bit patient with some of these guys and just wait for the opportunity because you will get some of these guys at a good price. Um, and one thing I found really interesting with... I did my draw and my draw is a very complex Excel spreadsheet with six different colors. It's just ridiculous. It's like it's been done by, like it's been done by a child, right? However, it is very accurate. But one thing that's really interesting is when you're looking for matchups, it's hard to find really good runs, really good extended runs for any team. So if you look at the Rabbits, for example, they've got an absolutely fantastic run that sort of comes up sort of relatively early. I can't really quite remember. And then if you look at the Eagles, again, they've got a really fantastic run coming up sort of around seven or eight or whatever. There's actually a few little sort of periods where you just see all green. Um, which is my thing to hit go. That's the point at which I sort of trade someone, a rookie I've built up into one of the guns from that team that's about to go on a roll. If you look at the ease of draw for 2022, there's just not really that many scenarios where you go, a team's going to absolutely crush it for the next six to eight weeks. Um, so I do feel like the Dragons will be relevant in the draw. But I would suggest if you're looking at two players to start and one is a dragon and one is hypothetically a tiger or a cowboy or a rabbit and they're on the same amount of money, I would probably suggest you take the non-dragon to start. Mm, it's not like they're one of the top teams either. So I don't love the draw for the dragons or the super coach options for round one. I definitely agree that they will be more relevant later. Let's have a look at their players. Specifically, their big gun for last year is Ben Hunt. Um, he ended up with an average of 67 points a game. It was easily his career best average that he's had. He only managed 15 games, which was the only blight on it with a couple of injuries and also um, obviously playing a bit of origin as well. Potentially that'll happen this year in the middle for the good run, but otherwise, you know, really good season for Ben Hart. The things that I liked about him, 53% of the time he was hitting 60 plus, which was quite good for a half. He's always been a half with good base, base attack. So his base, base attack got him around close to the mid 30 mark, uh, which is pretty good for a guy that's also obviously going to get you uh, the tries from his running, the assist from his passing, and also the, has the kicking game going as well. So, that was really good. And what it meant was that he had a pretty high percentage of his games too at around 40 plus percent that were that 70 plus type of mark too out of the 15 games that he played. A couple of big tons in there out of his 15 games. He had a 132 game and he also had a 116 game. Uh, and he is a try scorer, but he didn't score a, a huge amount of tries last year. So base attack, I love, I've always loved him, Ben Hunt. Out of his 15 games, there was only two that he didn't have an offload. There's only two that he didn't have a tackle break. So you're always getting those offloads and TBs with Ben Hunt, which I love as a half, but even better last year because you could have him at hooker. Now, Marty, he's he's by far and away the best super coach player from last year for the Dragons. He is the quintessential gun when you're talking about who is the gun for this team. For super coach last year, it was him. Now, when we're coming into this year, he's no longer uh, hooker eligible. And that completely sucks and kind of kills his value that he had last year, I think. Uh, but the other thing too is that he's coming off a career year. So he is in a few percent of teams at the moment, which is a bit crazy to me. He's 590,000. So I really liked Ben Hunt last year. I actually got on him. I was annoyed that he got hurt. Um, but at the same time this year, I don't, 
know that he's going to be able to match that 67 average. Um, I'm going to dare say that he doesn't. He's probably five points over. So I think that you'll still have a good year. Then you have a great year and he's really priced at his max with a bad draw. So surely you've just got to stay away from him and, and look elsewhere as far as the Dragons goes for round one super coach purchases. Uh, yeah, so look, I reckon Hunt's a great pod. Uh, 2% ownership, it should be higher than that. Um, 590 is a bit of an interesting price. Um, as you say, the thing about him is his base is great. You know, unlike a lot of halfbacks, he tackles. He very rarely misses much defensively, but he does get a lot of attacking stats. Uh, points per minute rose from 0.71 to 0.84 last year. Um, I guess that was because he was the focal point of the attack. And the other thing is the McCulloch influence. So when the Dragons lost McInnes, that was a real blow for us. Like he was just so crucial to that team. Um, with Jack, Jack DeBellin out, we, he's the only person that had lines defensively right so I was like and then I saw McCulloch and I'm like oh, for God's sake it's a yeah it's a it's a lot of money to play on an old school hooker right like and I'm not saying he doesn't do stuff well he is but he's old school you, you look at the young whippets of today you know he's just not that right but one thing that I mentioned about McCulloch it was that all of Hunt's best football has been played with McCulloch they debuted at the um Broncos back in, I guess it was 2014 or would it have been or 2012, whatever. Um, and and that was his best football. And so one of the reasons why they bought McCulloch was to open up Hunt because Hunt is your halfback. In theory, he's your organiser. But I have personally always thought that Hunt's at his best when he's not overthinking it. I actually think he's an instinctive kind of footballer. I've always actually thought Hunt was a better person playing off the cuff. And I think that's the reason why he's been really good when he represents at origin level for Queensland. And I think he's been outstanding when he's played international football as well, because someone else does the thinking, right? So bringing McCulloch into the team, he was there to direct the ruck, to decide which way they want to go and to take a lot of the pressure off Hunt. And that's why I saw Hunt play so well. I think Hunt's going to find himself with a lot more space this year. Um, he'll also take the majority of the tactical kicking because that's one thing that um, Corey Norman, in theory, did well. The fact is Captain Dodgy did not do that well at all, um, but he kicked a lot. You'll find Hunt will kick a lot more because Armoni, unfortunately, is not a very good kicker. And so I reckon he is a keeper. Um, unfortunately, again, the draw is just so against him. If you get him, he's probably going to throw out quite a few 40s early in the season, maybe low 50s, and that's not really what you're looking at. But if you sort of go, well, I could jump up to Hughes at 640, I probably wouldn't do that. But you could jump down to Walker at 545 or Kira at 528 and use that $60,000 somewhere else to pimp your team. I would probably be thinking that's a better move. I think there's players out there that aren't as good necessarily, but they're playing in teams that have kind of draws. Um, the Dragons are still adjusting to a new spine. Um, I can't really say I'm going to take Hunt. So I think we both pretty much agree on Hunt that he's you've got to leave him out for round one. I, I do think that he's going to be a good player. You're probably a little bit more positive on his whole season outlook than what I am. But for round one, I think that people got to stay away. When we're talking about fallen guns, you mentioned Lomax, uh, who I really like as well. Lomax is a really good player. Um, and he is someone that came in, coming into the last preseason. People were really, really wanting to get in the side. Um, certainly as a goal kicker, it helps when you're a centre wing that kicks goals. Um, so that was a big plus for him. But he just kind of never quite came through. Now, he's going to start this year in that range where I've spoken about on each podcast with everybody that's been on, where there's so many guys between that sort of 400 to 500 type of mark 
that you kind of use as your, your one center wing or your two center wings that you have as a foundation. And he's in that, that category. He's actually 13% owned, which I was sort of surprised about a little bit because I, I kind of thought, you know, you get guys that are really popular one preseason, they don't really come through. And then the next preseason, it's almost like they've got to do more to get people's attention. Hasn't really been the case because 13% ownership is pretty high. He's one of the higher owned dragons that there is aside from the cheapies. Um, on his numbers, uh, now, Marty, his numbers look okay when you're going through the games, um, particularly because he's got a game in there of five points where he only played 18 minutes and he only made it through 12 games. Um, so, you know, that's when you take that into account, his average isn't as bad as what you think. 57 point average on 2021. But when you take that game out of a 12 game sample, he actually goes to 60s quite easily. But in 2020, he was a 68 point player. Um, and I think that that's the key when you're looking at the, the disappointment. Can he get back to 68 plus again, in which case he's going to be a gun center wing? Um, when you take into account as well, the 2021 had more attacking stats. He kind of needed to be, you know, five points better than 2020 just to kind of match that output when you consider the extra attack. So I really like Lomax. I do like him as an option, especially if the Dragons improve. Um, He had a really good run to end last year, which I think is promising and kind of looking towards what he can do. He scored 50, 67, 95 and 75. Um, And he only had four tries for the season as well, which four tries in 12 games is reasonably low for a center wing. So I think you can do better. I loved in the charity shield. Some of the stuff he did had a really good flick pass. It was amazing. Showed his skills off. And that's a, it's a TS LBA all day. Gets him bog points just for that play to Ravalawa. Uh, I like that. And I like Ravalawa being on that side for him as well. I think Ravalawa can finish quite a bit. So I, I like Lomax a lot at 500 K I'd rather hit someone for 500k that's got a better draw for Supercoach to start with. Um, I've mentioned before that I grabbed Daniel Tupo in some of my team iterations for round, for round one just because that Roosters draw that they have early on is the sort of draw that you want for a guy that can get the tries. Um, there's some other guys that are sort of in that ballpark. There's some guys that have a very solid foundation with an Aitken at, at 486,000 as an edge back rower. You know, there's probably too many better options for me. And he's not even that poddish to even go, well, I'm going to sort of outpod people. So I like Lomax. I think he's on a watch list for the season. Uh, I think that he could match what he did in 2020, but not for round one for me. Yeah. So um, you mentioned 68 point average in 2020. Um, and whether he'll get back to that, the answer is yes, he will. Um, but he will start punching out 68 point average from round 11 onwards. Um, so. To me, break even at 57. Um, he is he is great because he, he's just a really good player to watch. I and mean, he just he's in everything. The fact that he's such an amazing player in the air means that when the plays break down, which historically the Dragons happens all game, um, throw a bomb up to Lomax because the chances are he'll catch it. You know, he's one of the best jumpers in the league. Um, that point you mentioned, the charity shield, it wasn't just a flick pass, it was the way he beat the guy. Um, on the outside and then the way he accelerated into the defender to create the space to put the flick park in. That was just amazing. There's very, very few players in rugby league can do that. Lomax will 100% be in my team. He's not going to be in my team to start, but uh, he's just an awesome player and he's getting better. Lomax will be one of the best centres in the NRL by the end of this year. He had a terrible run with injuries last year. And um, so, unfortunately, when, when he sort of came back to, by then... Um, 
Ravalawa had been suspended for one shoulder charge after another, after another, after another, after another. You know, and the whole right edge of the dragons just crumbled, which would have been fine if we had a left edge that was working, but we didn't. There was no left edge of the dragons, right? So a big part of what went wrong with us, you know, was was, was the fact that Lomax was injured. He was just such an important player in this team. Um, so yeah, 100% I'm going to have him in my team. 100% wouldn't even consider him now. Um, and the fact that 13% of uh, super coaches out there are prepared to pay 500,000 bucks for him strikes me as weird. I'm pretty sure that Lomax is going to be really good this year for super coach. I just don't think it's going to be at the start. One of the great things about Lomax is he's got a 28 rule base, but last year his base attack probably, it was not as good as what it should be. You know, he's, he's barely scratching 33 points with his base base attack, but he had a 28 rule base. That should really be getting towards 40 for him, but the fact that he's got the goal kicking as well, you can pretty much show in there. And he's like a close to an 80% goal kicker. So he's going to get that goal kicking in there as part of his base. And then all of a sudden you got a guy with sort of a 50 ish floor and that's really, really good. Once he hits his straps, it's just not going to be round one. That's all. So I think we do need to wait um, on him. So I think we agree on him. A bit of a controversial one for other non coach reasons, Jack DeBellin. He's, a fallen gun. He used to be a great gun for the Dragons, for Supercoach. 2017, he had 67 points a game, which is fantastic. I remember having him. Um, one of the great things about DeBellin going into that 2017 season is before that he was going well, but he was a worker. And then he, all of a sudden he had these, this great passing game that he started to develop with offloads and things that came into his game, which I haven't seen as much um, in 2021 as what I would have liked. But he played 11 games and averaged 55 points. Um, so certainly, you know, a raw base of 49, he's not going to be bad for anyone. Um, but I think the thing was, you know, he had a high score of 98, didn't have any tries in his 11 games, but he's not really much of a try scorer. But a lot of it was done on his raw base. So I'd really like to see for Supercoach for him to be more of an option during the year, some um, some variants, a few offloads coming back into his game that he started to develop and for him to probably be more comfortable, which probably is going to happen now because he just had half a season under his belt, gets to go in this year without any, without as much pressure on him as what he's had in the past. But, you know, Marty, when we're looking at it, um, some of his raw base games, that, that 98 points that he scored, 76, so that was raw base last year. Uh, other ones where he had like a 63 raw base for his 75. But unfortunately, then he's got, you know, they were high minute games where he's playing like 80 minutes or, or 70 plus minutes at least. He's got the games where he plays lower minutes, like a 51 minute outing where he scores a 40. Um, uh, other low minutes, like a 65, even 15 minutes below those 80 minute games. And that was only a 46. So his PPM was a bit below where we've seen in the past. I wonder whether that will come back up. If it does, like when you're having a look at ownership and stuff, you know, DeBellin is someone who is a second row forward only, um, which I think really sucks quite a bit because I think that he should be a dual front row forward, second row forward. But he's, he is someone that's only owned in a couple percent of teams. At 480000 I'm not going to say that I'm going to be a supporter of buying Jack DeBellin for round one. I could see him all factors considered and the fact that he doesn't have much football in him the last couple of years, getting more back towards 2017, more than what we saw in 2021, in which case at 480,000, if he was a front row forward, I think that you could be a little bit, you know, under the radar on him and sort of say he's better than some of these other guys that people are getting in for sort of 450, 500. But just because of that price point and the fact that he's up against second rowers like Tom Alolo, uh, even a Satili Tupanua if you want some attack. And then you've got the Cowboys boys that are probably going to be starting on that edge. 
there's just too many other options in that second row category for him to be relevant for round one. But not going to surprise me if he's very solid and has a bit of a return to form and improves, you know, 10 to 20% in his Supercoach scoring. Yeah, so um, if you think about, say, 2019, you know, 10 years from now, if I, if, I, if I say 2019, you'll go COVID, right? When I think of 2019, I think of JDB because he was stood down in February of that year um, and he was someone who I had so much respect for. You know, he was the alpha male of that Dragons team. Um, he was defensive behemoth. Um, the Dragons were like a donut team. Like, if you look at them, they kind of had, like, tasty stuff on the outside, but there was just nothing in the middle. I was just blank. Um, Develin was the one guy that for years had had stood tall and played like Thor. You know, I just really liked the guy. And then this whole scandal came out, and it was just like, Jesus. And I'm not, we're not going to get involved in whether it was right or wrong. Um, but I, I don't respect him now. Um, right, but the fact is, he was an epic player, and he was the one guy that was so important to the Dragons. Like, if you look at, um, you know, a team like the Roosters, you know, the Roosters without Warrior Hargraves are not the Roosters, right? And it's not the Warrior Hargraves' skill set is so high. Warrior Hargraves has never really been a Supercoach relevant player, but but footy is actually a real game. Like sometimes we look at it and sort of keep viewing the game through super great stats. It's not actually about stats. It's about winning, right? And um, JDB is a winner. Um, so he had two and a half seasons off. He's always been fanatically fit. So um, the good news about him is he is amazingly fresh. Uh, he's always been solid, but he hasn't been a keeper so much. And one of the problems that you see with DeBell and you see a lot with Jake Travojevic over the last couple of years, if you look at him, he went from being like a rolled gold keeper to just a level below being a keeper. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that the lock position is changing. You know, it used to be a, a third prop, really. Like, you look at the number 13s, like Taumalolo, for example. I mean, Taumalolo can barely pass. He's just another prop. But if you look at it now, lock forward is very much you want a Murray or a Radley or a JDB. You want someone who is probably smaller but very fit, can crunch out 40 tackles, but is there to primarily straighten the defensive line, which is the thing I love about Radley. He, he straightens better than anybody in the league. But really what they're there is they're there to enable your playmakers to go further left and further right so they can spread your plays across the field, more importantly. So that's beautiful, except that you don't get points for passing in Supercoach. So you're starting to find that your locks aren't actually making as much money now as you sort of expected them to, and it's because the game has changed. So when you bring someone like a bird in there, and I think that's a big threat for JDB possibly, is that I'm not actually convinced he's going to be their number 13 for long. You, you start to get a lot of the points you could get for hit-ups being lost by passing it on to somebody else who's getting the points for hit-ups. So um, will he get back to his points per minute of sort of 0.88? Yep. Will he get enough? minutes to make it worthwhile probably not um i've got a theory on how the dragons will end up the season and it's not going to be this way to start because we do have some injuries um but i think in the long run the dragons will start with sims on the left edge and then burns will come on at 25 minutes and sims will go into the front row rotation and i reckon jdb will start at lock bird will come on at around 20 minutes to play lock and push jdb into the front row rotation so by the time that happens, you're already going to have another two, two to three props on the bench anyway. So by the time that happens, you are going to have a lot of middles of the Dragons fighting for minutes. 
Um, and therefore, when you're looking at someone like a JDB, as good as he is, there's only three positions in the middle with 80 minutes. You've only got 240 minutes, right? How do you cut that up? And the answer is it doesn't cut up to make a piece that to me looks juicy enough to eat. Probably unlikely to be in my team at any point. And if you look at some of the um, guys that are at a similar pricing point, you've got Taumalolo. Well, that's just so, I just so don't know what's going to do with Taumalolo this year. I mean, I don't even know what the hell's going on with his back status. Like I've heard he's been granted an exemption, but that concerns me. Um, but I think Taumalolo will outscore JDB. You've got Tarpanay and I'm a, I so want Tarpanay. God, he's such a great player. But I just don't, I just don't trust Ricky. Like I just can't, I can't bring a, a radar forward into my team. But it's a shame because I reckon Tarpanay is going to kill it this year. Um, Nakora looks amazing at the Sharks and will look even more amazing at the Dragons next year. You heard it here, I'm telling you, it's happening. Um, and you've got Tupanua, who I had for a lot of my team, for a lot of my time last year. And I have to say, I loved having Tupanua in my team. I thought it was awesome. So, you know, where does JDB fit into that? The answer is he's owned by 2% and he's owned by 2% for a reason. Mm. And there's also the guys that you can go like, you know, 40, 50K more and go, well, I'll just get a Madison for a little bit more and all that sort of thing. So I, I think that he's well and truly out of the hunt. Um, I do think that to finish off on JDB, if he was coming into this year and it was the same Dragons roster and they were going to have the same season and he had a full season coming into this year off last year, I think that there would be some upside because I kind of think that we saw in the, you know, the first two games back, he only played 25 and 37 minutes, which was understandable. Uh, but if you take that out of his 63-minute average last year, he's actually more towards even close to 70 minutes a game. And I, I could have seen that if we we're mirroring last year's season to this season and it wasn't going to be different. I, you know, I could see him having a 11-, 12-minute rest and then playing sort of that 68 type of minutes for, on average, in which case he could very well be easily 10 points under undervalued if he also has an improve and his confidence is back up and stuff. But we've already discussed they've got a different roster. There's going to be more guys going into that middle rotation. There's going to be less minutes on offer, like you said. So we're not going to get that mirrored season uh, of last year. And that's going to be the big issue for him. When we're talking about rising guns now, it starts to get exciting. This is a guy that is owned by quite a few teams. Um, and I have to say, I've been a little bit standoffish on, on young Sloan. Tyrrell Sloan is in 15% of teams. So we talk about someone like Lomax being one of the highest owned players outside of the cheapies or, or cash guys. And Tyrrell Sloan's right up there as well at 15% owned for this Dragons team. Now, he's a centre wing fullback in Supercoach. So that's great. But he's going to be starting fullback for the Dragons. So putting a starting fullback in your centre wing for Supercoach is gold. Um, st- starting fullbacks and start starting back rowers are what you want in your centre wing if you can get them. But big caveat for Sloan, which is why I've been standoffish, Marty. So I'm really interested in your take on this in a moment. But he's he's almost 450,000. So unfortunately, he isn't a guy who sort of was biding his time and got a couple games here and there off the bench and he's going to come in reasonably cheap. You know, he's not even really a mid-ranger at that, at that price for me. So when you're looking at Sloan's numbers as well, like... There is obviously all the narrative stuff, right? So he's he's put on weight, um, apparently 12 kilos, which is great. He looks bigger, which is something that he needed to do. But he only had five games last year for his 64 average. Um, so there's not a huge amount that you can also take away from that with his five games starting at fullback, but you can have a bit of a look. And what we saw in it was a guy that looked really good in attack um, and that attack should translate well to super coach tackle breaks fantastic runs great 
he's going to get that um, and he's going to score some tries. But he does have, he's one of those low floor type of outside backs. So, so when you're looking at his raw base, last year in his five games, 19 raw base, 21 raw base, 18 raw base, 18 raw base, a big 35 point raw base, which is a good one for him. But certainly he looks like, you know, that raw base of around 22 a game last year is probably going to stick. He's probably going to be that low 20s type of raw base, which means he's going to have a low floor if he isn't getting some clutch attack. Um, He is going to always have the tackle breaks in there. So the base attack is going to pump him up a little bit. But I kind of, um, I kind of get worried that he's a little bit like someone like the Hammer, but Rora, because he hasn't had as much first grade opportunity yet. Um, and that's fine for real life. I think you'll get better. It might be fine for super coach down the track, but for me, like I, I would have been much, much more interested if you're sort of 350 K, but to have him at 450 K with the draw as well, I've kind of really hit pause and gone, look, if he had a good draw, maybe I could get amongst it a little bit more, but without the draw at 450 K, despite the promise that he showed last year and, and how much he's transformed himself in the off season, I, I think it's much safer just to stand back and wait. I don't see him as a, as a home run that some people seem to think that he is. No. So, I mean, I know on your podcast, you don't encourage gambling in any manner, but I must, <laughs> time to time, I do have a wee flutter. Um, and so I'm very big at looking at left edge attack versus um, right edge defence. I'm very interested in, you know, tries conceded up the middle and stuff like that. So when it comes to any of the rugby league teams, statistically, I'm, I've got a reasonably good grasp of where teams are at. I would almost look at the statistics for the Dragons last year, rip it up and throw it in the trash can because the team is so different. The style of football they're going to play, it doesn't mean they'll execute it well. That could take some time to come. In fact, it will. But the style they're going to play is so different and where the players are going to click in is so different. And Sloan is an example of someone who I'd almost sort of go, don't worry about what you see last year. Does he pass the eye test, right? The stats are very misleading at the Dragons. Um, so I'm lucky. I've been watching Sloan develop for six years um, and considering he's just turned 20, I think, um, whereas I think sort of, Ammonia might be 20 as well. Sullivan's, I think, 19. Um, I saw a lot of them in SG Ball, which was 2019. They, they came second, I think, in that year. I think they got beaten in the final by the Panthers, maybe. Um, but I'd seen them before that, right? Um, and it very much mirrors the story of what you saw happen unfold with um, the Panthers in the last couple of years. You know, you've got Cleary, Luai and Edwards all come through at the same time, you know, and you had other blokes like Topu as well. Um, so I've been looking at these three guys, licking my lips and going, gee, I hope they're as good as they're going to be because history tells us that they won't be. Like out of three, you see these young blokes all the time and particularly young halves. I mean, how many times have we heard about a 20-year-old half and he's just going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread? And he's not, you know, and these people are making 800000 bucks a year half the time and they're just really doing nothing. I mean, there's so few good halves in the rugby league now. There's so few good players in the spine. Um, you're sort of a bit sceptical about some of them. Don't be sceptical about Sloan. The guy is an absolute freak. He's the closest thing I've seen to David Peachy for a long, long time. And I have to say, we're really lucky in NRL. Have you seen how many, have you noticed how many really good young Indigenous footballers are coming through at the moment, and particularly fullbacks? I mean, they're just so fast. They're so good on their feet. They've got such great hand-eye coordination. They've got such amazing balance. So, you know, he's the best of them by miles. Um, he's up to 88 kilos now. He almost hit 90. 
Um, unfortunately, he will run some of that weight off over the season, um, but he's a lot stronger than he was. He's a lot more confident than he was. Um, I've only met him once, um, but I have lots of friends that know him on a personal level, and he is just a cool, calm cucumber. Like, he's together in the head. Um, so is he a keeper? Yeah, you know something? As a centre, he is a keeper. I, I think he will end up being a keeper. Um, but like a lot of, unfortunately, the way this podcast is going for people looking at Dragons players, would you buy him now? You'd be mad to buy him now. To pay 447000 for a bloke with a draw like that, I mean, he's a freak. Like he'll do, you know, It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. If someone is able to chip and regather, which he's very, very, very good at, you can't really defend against that, right? He's one of these blokes that's going to do a lot of stuff, which is very hard to defend against. He will continue to score points um, from day dot, um, and they're going to run a lot of play his way. Like they, He only played, I think, five games, but he finished with back-to-back 90s. One of those games was against the Rabbits. I mean, he killed them. He is so hard to defend against. Um, so he's going to do well. Um, I just wouldn't get him at this time. If you look at sort of other people in that pricing point, and, and I'm, I'm looking at him as a centre, but I really am viewing him purely as a centre. Um, so you compare him to Stags. Yep, I reckon he'll outcore Stags. And you compare him to someone like Crichton. Um, well, Crichton's an interesting one because if Crichton goes back to the left, I reckon he's going to have a fantastic season and I think he's worth paying the money for right now. But if Crichton sits on the right... Um, I don't actually think he's going to score as particularly well. Like, he's a good team. He'll always do well. But would I take Crichton over Sloan? Not if he's playing right. Um, so, you know, I reckon Sloan just, you know, I just wouldn't pay that money for him. But I've got to say, he's, an, he's a beautiful footballer. And in the years to come, I think regardless of which team you follow, he's one of those guys that when you turn on the TV, you'll go, yes, Sloan's playing. And I tell you what, it's been a yeah. long time since the Dragons have had a player like that. The last person was probably <laughs> Mundine and Blacklock, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it would be. So it's been a, a long time coming. I, I like him as a footballer. Um, it's just, I, I still am pretty astounded that he's 15% plus of teams. Crazy, round one. crazy, um, crazy. 450K. And you, I mean, you talk about guys around the price. I, I, I think that you just, because he's at 450, you just, you go up a bit and get a, a, an out and out guy that's that's going to be better round one or more so you just go down. Like there's that many guys that are 250 to 350. You'd save 100 to 180K just to get some of these other options in. And those other options may very well score close to or as good as Sloan will for the start of the season. So it just doesn't really make any sense for me. I think during the year would be good. But a couple of little caveats to finish up on. You know, the five games that he played, yeah, he had some good ones in there as far as his last two where he scored 95 and 91. But he scored six tries in five games. Now, I don't care how good anyone is, and he's very good as a scorer. He's not going to score at that, at that strike rate. And he's not going to have a PPM at, at 0.8 when you consider those tries are in there. So that's going to drop. Now, whether he's increased in performance and, and everything is going to increase to a point that it offsets that, maybe that happens a little bit as well. So maybe 64 is kind of on the mark for his season, but it's not going to be on the mark for the start of the season. This is a guy that has only played five games. He got to play him at the back half of last year. He's starting for the first time in a round one scenario in fullback in what we spoke about um, before the podcast is going to be really wet weather. It's, it's, it's terrible for a fullback getting his first real crack at the fullback jumper in first grade at 20 to be coming into monsoonal weather round one of the NRL premiership that's meant to stick around for a month or two. So it's, there's that many things that you just go, I, I don't know why people are so confident, you know, round one with Sloan. 
The other thing to bear in mind is because of COVID, um, the young footballers coming through have played almost no football in two years. So, you know, a bloke like Sloan, you would have sort of hoped before he made his first grade debut in round 20 or whatever it was, you would have hoped that he would have played like 12 or 15 games in reserve grade. You know, you, you might have hoped he would have played the season before 20 games in new 20s. Like, they didn't play any of that stuff. It was all pretty much they called off. The young diamonds that are coming through this year are far from polished. And when you combine that with a weather forecast and to place that in perspective for you in the next, well, from March and sort of the first sort of week past March, they're forecasting rain 23 days out of 31 in Brisbane and 24 days out of 31 in Sydney. So Sloan is a fullback. He is going to make mistakes. Uh, Big balls pod. Now, this is one that I actually haven't looked at, even though I don't love him. As a, as a player in real life. So I've got to really separate my my real life opinion and my super coach opinion. Uh, and that is Moses Suley. So Suley comes across from Manly, um, having only played 50 minutes a game in 2021, played the first month of the season as a starting centre, um, then was out of first grade, came back in round nine and played a month as a bench player that played a total of zero, 11, seven and 15 minutes. Uh, then went on the wing, then went back on the bench after a couple of games. And that's where his value is. You know, he's got 13 games in first grade last year. And when you're looking at five of them, he played 0, 11, 7, 15 and 17 minutes. So that has meant that his minutes average is all the way down to 50. Uh, and that's where his value is really going to come in because that's what you're looking for with value. You're looking at guys that are coming into a, a, an 80-minute role that didn't have it before. And that's probably the opposite to someone like Sloan. You know, unfortunately, Sloan went in and pay, played five games and they're all 80-minute games. Someone like Suley is the opposite. And he, he wasn't getting it um, for all those games. He was getting those juicy bench games for Supercoach. Uh, and that means that there is potentially some value there. That seems to make sense, Marty. But 39 points last year in 50 minutes. The year before, where he was playing 75-plus minutes, he only scored 41. The year before, he played 74 minutes a game in 2019. He only scored 39. <laughs> The year before in 2018, he played 77 minutes and he only scored 39 as well. So there is big question marks, I guess, if you look at glass half empty on whether the minutes are actually going to matter. And he hasn't really scored in the 80 minutes before. So it's one of those ones where you you more have to make a gut decision on what way is it going to go? Is he going to play like a normal 80 minute center that really should go from 39 points to 50 plus at a minimum? Um, Or is he going to play like Moses Suley was the rest of his career when he was actually starting center and, and actually just score pretty poorly. You know, even if you look at the games last year, when he was in the centers, that first month of footy that saw him get dropped uh, 29 points, 30 points, 44 points, 24 points. Um, and that last one, he only played 56 minutes, but still, you know, 80 minute games of 29 to 44. Um, is it phenomenal? Um, later in the year on the wing, um, he went a lot better because he was getting tries on that wing and he went for 71 and 74 points. I thought that he had a much better base than what he did. Um, only a 21 raw base last year, although it does show uh, include the lower minute games. So it, it's really hard to tell with someone like Sealy, but the thing that makes him interesting as an option to consider is he is one of those guys in that really cheap um, price point of between sort of 300 and 400. So Moses Suley is going to come in at a total of 366000 He's only owned by 3% of teams. He's got a point to prove his first year of a new contract with St. George. They're going to start him and play 80 minutes as a centre. I could see it going either way. 
but 366,000 is where it becomes appealing. Where are you on the Suli narrative? Is he going to turn it around or is he going to be a bit lazy like he was a few years before last and sort of give you 40 to 45 points and maybe only a few points of value? Okay, so Suli is an epic pod, okay? Um, he is a player when he first debuted, there were huge raps on Suli, but he was really struggling um, with his personal life. Um, he sort of powered his way from club to club and landed at the Dragons, right? Um, and the Dragons, I have to put my hand on heart and say the Dragons are good at many things. But the one thing they are possibly the best in the league at is they often get the best out of players that are troubled. So if you look at blokes like Dugan, when it came to the Dragons, he completely turned himself around. You know, um, these stories of the Dragons are not uncommon. Um, I guess part of the appeal to the Dragons is, you know, you're sort of based in Wollongong, so you're out of the sort of shiny light. A lot of young players have egos. Uh, it doesn't really fit when you throw ego, money, testosterone. They just misbehave, right? Um, we see it all the time. Sully was one of those people has really shown since he's joined the Dragons, he does feel like he's wasted his career. And again, I'm, I've not met Sully, but I'm basing this on people that know him. Put his head down. I, when, when when the Dragons announced that they'd signed him, I was stoked because I he had a terrible season last year. I mean, he just, he was out of form. He was injured. He got shuffled around positions. Des by the end of it clearly had just gone, look, you're just not trying hard enough. And he wasn't. You know, you could see he wasn't putting in the effort. You know, physically, you looked at him, he wasn't as fit as he should have been. Um, but then in the last four games, he scored 71, 72, 74, and 83. And I remember at the time looking at him thinking, that's the sort of that's always been there. Um, but you could see in him last year at the Eagles, you could see the player that he could have been. Um, and I'm stoked the Dragons have signed him. Um, the other thing to bear in mind is that last year, if you look at our left edge, we had... Um, Pipe smoker at 5'8". You have Sims at back row, who's just a bash and barge player. He doesn't really have much creativity around him. You had William and Bird out in centre, who are, again, not fast, they're not clever, they don't have great footwork. You know, and then you had a, a winger that kept changing around all the time because it just didn't work. And this year on that side, you've got Armoni, who's super fast. You'll have Bird, who's going to be a clever back rower, or Burns, who's even better. And then you'll have Sully and then you'll have Ramsey, who's fast and, and much bigger now. And I look at that edge going, the Dragons are going to go left a lot. That opens up opportunities for Sully. The other thing about Sully is absolutely magnificent wet weather footballer. Um, when you're playing footy, and I, I, I say this as an ex-Rover Union 5-8, you have to shorten your passes in, in, in the wet. You know, these beautiful cutout balls and face balls and stuff, they're wonderful in dry weather, but they just very rarely lead to anything. With a bloke like Suli, because he is such a big guy, but also he's fast. Like Suli is deceptively quick. I'm I'm shocked how fast that guy is. Everything about him suits wet weather football. He gets low when he drives. He can beat you on the outside, but primarily he's just going to roll through you. Um, the Dragons will play out to him a lot. I reckon for 336, which is a good pricing point, um, I actually reckon he's a really good pod. Um, now, he's not in my team at the moment, which unfortunately for me is a Dragons supporter is pretty much everything you're going to ask me. Um, but um, the issue for me is more, there's so many guys out there at that 260, 270 mark. And you're trying to spread your salary cap widely. You know, if you can save 50 or 60,000 bucks to potentially spend that money, you know, a couple of savings like that suddenly turns like a mid-ranger into a gun. Um, so, yeah, with Sully, um, 
he's not in my side, but I have to say, particularly given the weather, if I wanted to do something a bit weird, I reckon I'd go silly. Yeah, I, I don't think it's the worst thing to consider. Um, I myself have have gone for the the cheaper options because I think there is a few popping up. Like George Jennings may very well get named for TLT, and then that's another guy that's sort of two hundred twenty k for the Panthers wing. Um, so there's there's this, uh, and obviously you've got you know Russell that came through because Dunstall is in, injured for the Parramatta Eels. There's too many guys that are probably hundred k less. Um, so I don't think that you need to, but in saying that, that's why he's a pod. He's only a few percent owned, and he is someone that could come out and theoretically go for a 50 to 60 average pretty quickly um, and sort of turn it around. So I, I do think that he's an option. I do think he's a pod. And he, for the games that the Dragons are going to fire for, if people aren't quick enough to jump on him or because he becomes too expensive at sort of 430, 440, 450, people aren't going to want to. And then if you've already got him, when you hit that run for the Dragons, it's going to click into gear and you're going to get a few 80s, 90s, maybe 100 sort of thing. And that's going to really help you later on down the track. So if you want to invest. Yeah, when, when, you're, yeah, when you're a centre, because you are so much more involved defensively and because you do get so many more of those hard runs, to hit your break even of 40, 42 in this city is easy, right? When you're a winger, it becomes a lot more difficult, particularly in the wet, because you're just not actually getting those involvements. Um, but if you're looking at someone like Sully and sort of going, well, I really believe in this bloke and I want to save a trade. And we all know that at the end of every single year we run out of trades. And with COVID, God knows how many trades we're going to have to burn. If you're just going to park a bloke and go, I believe in this person, I'm prepared to take some scores or even see him as an, an NPR and just play him in matchups, then you might suddenly hit that juicy part of the draw and have a bloke that's sitting in there. And if, it, if things go his way, he might have gone up to kind of 380 or 400. It's definitely possible with Sully. And everyone else isn't interested in because he's too expensive and you've got it, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't dismiss yep. Sully necessarily. We've got a bit of a controversial chat here um, because uh, in our controversy corner for this Dragon side, we have a guy that I think that you really like and one that I don't, um, and that is Jack Bird. So, Birdie... I don't like him. I never said no, I liked him. I just, no. I just took no. a stab, so there you go. I was wrong. No, so we're both no, going to no, no, nag no. out on Bird. He'll be gone. He'll be gone at the end of this year, <laughs> I have to say. I won't be displeased. So, I don't like him for Supercoach either, um, but I do say quite a few people like him just because he can be in your centre wing. Um, he's one of those dual second row set of wings that is really handy for Supercoach. 8% owned, almost 500000 though. So he's not cheap. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I look at it and go, you know, he's disgruntled. Um, I think it's absolutely, don't know how much you can take away from it. You'll probably tell me in a minute, but I don't know how much of its manager, how much of its media and how much of it's him that's sort of balked at the fact that the Dragons have said you're going to be taking a big pay cut because he's been well overpaid for a long time. And he's one of those guys that's always struck me as um, thinking he deserves things before he's actually earned them. Uh, you can't have one really good year early on in your career and live off it for the next decade. You have to actually perform in rugby league. And he hasn't done that. So, of course, the Dragons are going to say to him, you're going to be taking a big pay cut if you want to stay. But apparently he's blown up about that and he's looking elsewhere. Nobody is going to pay Jack Bird knee the money that he's on right now. So he's going to be in for a rude reality check. But what all that means is for Supercoach is that he's not happy. I don't think the club is happy with him. The club has basically decided that he's gone at the end of the year. Um, so when you take that into account and look at his numbers, he didn't just play 80 minutes a game last year. He played 81 minutes a game last year in 22 appearances. So he cannot play any more minutes than what he already was. He played five of those 22 games in the back row Admittedly, he scored quite well, 
um, in those back row games. Sorry, it was four games. So he scored 93 points, 56, 69, and 51. Now, having said that, a lot of those um, games, he had quite a bit of attack in there as well. Um, His base was more around sort of a, a 40s base, only a small sample size, but playing 80 minutes on an edge, you know, he's got quite a bit of opportunity there to get his base stats up. I don't think with the Dragons pack and everything that we've just discussed and everything else um, that he's going to be playing 80 consistently. If he starts off with 80, I can't see him doing that longer term. And if you take 20 minutes away from him and he's playing 60 minutes, which is still really good minutes, he's well overpriced for for what he's going to do, even though he was playing quite a bit of centre last year, which would normally bring his value back up. Um, 500,000 for him. You know, he's kind of the anti Aitken argument, right? Like, I really believe in Aitken, and Aitken's actually 10K less than him. He actually projects out to score really well, whereas Bird, I don't think, projects out to get the same minutes, and he doesn't project out to score really well compared to last year, where he's still only averaged 57 a game. So, if he's already priced on 57, and he's sort of not going to get much more you're not really going to be happy with 57, even in your centre wing. And he doesn't have a good draw either. So those games that I mentioned, you know, three out of those four, he had some clutch attack in there. He's not going to really get that early on either. And he's out of favour, you know. Like, I I just don't see... I I do see why people are doing it because getting a back row in your centre wing is rolled gold normally for super coach. But I don't see it with Bird and I do see his role dropping off. Maybe I'm wrong with his role, Marty. Maybe you know something I don't and his role is going to continue and he's going to have a good one. No, okay, so the problem with Bird is Bird, right? I mean, he is a very entitled individual. Um, coming up through the juniors, he was incredible. Um, and when he sort of hit first grade or even before he hit first grade, he was one of those guys who put his hand up and has continued to put his hand up every single year to play in the spine. He wants to be a half or a five-eight or a fullback. Um, and his skill set kind of actually, it, it, it's 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 appropriate. Um, but the problem is he just got injury after injury for so many years. He lost all of his speed. He lost so much of his lateral movement. And the reality for Bird is that because he played Origin a few years back and he played well, um, unfortunately for him, his body is not going to allow him to be the player that he he should have been, right? And so it's just really obvious to anybody that's involved in footy that they can see that, but Bird can't see it in himself, right? So I don't know who he gets advice off, but um, he's mad if he thinks he's going to get someone come out and pay 800, 850,000. Um, I think he's a very talented guy, but physically he just hasn't hasn't got there. Um, what you say about his role, I have to say it's it's unknown to me, right? I've, I have asked so many times because I can really see this Dragons team unfolding in my own eyes. But me, me feeling something or seeing something is one thing. Um, I'm irrelevant. What matters is what the coach is thinking or feeling. And I, it seems likely that he's moving down this direction. Um, and certainly in terms of the, what I'm seeing in the training paddock, it, it seems like this is, is the right direction. But we just don't know. Um, my suspicion is that he will be named on the left edge in round one um, because I think Sims is going to be ruled out. We'll find out tomorrow. Um, if he's there, I reckon he'll probably play 80. Um, and, you know, he might well get to his average of 67 in the first game because, you know, last year he only really played four, four times on the edge. He got 51, 56, 69 and 93, I think. Um, so he averaged 67, right? Um, he's a good edge player. 
The issue is that in the not too distant future, you're going to get Sims back, you're going to get Burns back, you're going to get Maguire back. So where does that leave Bird? And, and if it was me, I would totally be be moving Bird into lock. I would, as I said before, I'd be moving JDB, start with JDB, but move him forward and then move Bird into that role. It enables him to run when he wants to run and enables him to be the link when he wants to link. He, as an excellent of 5'8", he has that skill set. He's also a very, very aggressive front-on defender. Laterally, he can be exposed. So I'd put him at 13 as well. Um, and I do agree that it's better there because it does limit his exposure because I don't think he's a very good defensive player at all. Um, but it's also one of those things where if that happens, like Jack DeBellin, you know, plays, what, 22 minutes and then Bird comes on in the 22nd, 23rd type of minute um, off the bench. And then he's already lost 22 out of his 80 minutes as it is. And he's probably going to come off again. Um, so it, it really makes it look like maybe he's a 50-minute player even when if that change happens down the track. So if it does. Yeah, I think he's a 60-minute player. I think, uh, again, to start it will be different. Like what you're seeing in the first few rounds for the Dragons, unfortunately, isn't actually going to be the side we'll have by mid-year just because of these injuries and suspensions. Um, but I reckon you can probably lock Bird in for 60 minutes. But people, that not so much as Supercoach, but in fantasy, for example, people are talking a lot. Everyone wants Bird, right? And it's just like, I talk about his points per minute and blah, blah, blah. So that's great. But when you're going from 80 minutes a game to 60 minutes a game, right, you need to increase your points by minute by 25% just to cover for the lost minutes that you've made. So with Bird, he's got to increase his points per minute from 0.71 to 0.89. That's something he's never done before. He's never been anywhere near that level. Um, so realistically, you have to look at it and just go, no, nah, not for me. Um, and if you look at what you could get in the centre wing, Tupu, Kelly, Lomax, all of those have way higher ceilings than him and their roles are defined. And I'll finish off on Bird by saying, like a lot of options, um, I'm not going to say that there's no way it could work out for you. You know, if Bird is motivated because it is a contract year um, and Griffin says, you know what, I am going to just play him 80 minutes and we want to rely on him, then, you know, that could turn around and be okay for you. Um, I just don't think that that's a high chance um, when you're looking at percentages. You know, you want it to be a high percentage chance. And I just think that the, the percentage chance is that that's not going to happen. Uh, and Bird for the first time, just played his 22 games this season. Uh, the years before, he's been well and truly busted. 2017, 16 games, then eight games, nine games, zero games in 2020. So it's, yeah, it's a lot of risk for an option that you could just get someone else and not have it. Um, so that's where I'm at with him. Let's do quick fire on the mids cheapies to finish on, mate. Do need to mention a special partner of the All-Stars podcast in Top Sport topsport.com.au go over there or grab the app you can have a look at all the best odds in australia 100 percent australian owned bookmaker top sport often have best best odds in market uh, we do have the promo code for the all stars podcast so if you're going to gamble make sure that you do it responsibly but make sure you do it with top sport the promo code is sc all stars or one word so if you open an account today make sure that you use the sc all stars promo code so they know that you came from this podcast and they take great care of you but we do have all the round one stuff up there at the moment. I'm going to go through some great bets with Billy on the TLT podcast. But I tell you what, there's some immense value, especially when you're looking at even money for the Sharkies to beat the, the Raiders at the moment at $1.90. That's fantastic. I'm all over that one. And even like the Ruffies, like the West Tigers at 4 bucks against the Storm, but the Storm don't have their spine for round one. So that's going to be a pretty interesting one as well. So get on topsport.com.au for often the best odds in market in Australia and use SC All-Stars as your promo code. 
Um, Ramsey is the first one. And Ramsey is quite interesting because um, I initially think, oh, it looks good. He's only 268,000. Um, he's in 10% of teams, so a lot of people probably think that it does. But then you look at his average and go, geez, <laughs> 31 points a game for, for young Ramsey. I know he's small, but he's meant to be a try scorer. Uh, that's not very promising. Maybe he only played a couple of games. Oh, no, he played 18 games last year for that sample size and averaged 72 minutes a game. So very big sample size for his 31-point average last year. Um, he still did score a decent amount of tries, although probably should score more. So six out of 18 games, he scored a try in them. Um, and when you look at those try scoring games, 51 points, 42 points, 41 points, 33 points, 44 and 49 points. Did not crack 54 out of five of those games where he scored a try. And that's because his raw base was 17. He has gotten a bit bigger. He's gotten a almost full season, pretty much aside from half a dozen games of experience under his belt. Uh, that should all help him. And he's very cheap. So, you know, I think that if Cody Ramsey was 350K, you wouldn't be looking at him. Um, but I completely get looking at him at, at 268K. My issue with him is, Marty, if you're benchmarking him against some other guys like a Russell at Power and so forth, they have very good draws. Um, they've probably got better situations. Is is Ramsey, you know, going to flourish and, and improve? Or is he more like a Corey Allen that you go, well, it's fine that he's priced at 30, but that's all he's going to score. And he's actually you know, going to be Stains-like and maybe even go backwards 20K or something, you know. Where do we see Ramsey starting off with as a super coach option to make money for us? Right, so Ramsey's one of the nicest people you'd ever meet in your life. Um, but unfortunately, you don't get points in super coach for being a good bloke. Um, he's, I'd almost forget about the stats on him. He, you know, he, he sort of rose to prominence during those, um, the NRL nines they had back in, was it 2020 maybe? And he scored some amazing tries, right? And everyone just went, oh, this guy's insane. Um, I'd seen Ramsey play plenty of times. Um, he clearly wasn't ready for first grade. I mean, he's just too small. He's got a great little skill set. He's very fast. Um, and I, I do really like his attitude. He's a, like a little pack dog. I mean, he comes from, I think he comes from, uh, out near Orange, um, somewhere out that way. Like in a lot of those country footballers, they're sort of tough, Abby kind of guys. Um, he's very much one of them. Uh, he got dropped. Uh, he hadn't scored tries well. He didn't have a good season, but you're looking at a different person this year. You know, you're looking at a, a, a better team generally. You've got a better forwards. You've got a lot more strike center. Um, and I'll go left a lot more because there's actually something to go left for. Um, he's a different player this year. So um, I actually think Ramsey also will have to struggle to keep Moga out because I pretty liked what I saw of Moga. Um, and again, I'm relying a bit on footage sent to me from friends at training. So it's not the same, but Moga, man, he's looking sharp, right? And he was in everyone's super coach team four years ago. Um, so I reckon he's a bit of a hit and hope, Ramsey. Um, again, at that price, you can't go too far wrong, but the draw is horrid. Um, he's not in my team. Uh, but if I was a Dragon supporter and I just wanted to stick a Dragon's bloke in there for the hell of it, I reckon he's a very good one to put in at that price. Yeah, I, I think that his price probably makes it um, hard to have a big error. Um, but I just think that it's... you got to... You, like with most things, you got to temper your expectations. There's potential that it could be a rough month of footy, especially in the wet weather. Could be some 17 scores and stuff. And then when that happens, you just got to ride it and just bench him, wait to make the money a bit later on. Uh, and that's something that you can do. Yeah, that's it. Small players, small players, particularly if they're wingers, combined with wet weather, should be putting the words of void right in front of your face. Um, so, yeah, he's not in my team. 
So when we're having a look at some uh, middle forwards, Burgess and Molo, let's look at these two together because they're both front row forwards and front row forward sucks always, but it sucks even more at the moment because people are looking for cheap to mid-range ones to not spend there. Some people are even saying, I'm not even going to get a Payne Haas or something or a TPJ. I'm just going to go like all, all mids and cheaps there. Um, Francis Molo's 351000 coming off a 40 average. Someone like George Burgess hasn't played for a couple of years. And because of that, he's only 247000 He's in 13% of teams because teams are scrambling to get four front rowers to start the year. I initially threw, I initially didn't look at Molo at all um, because of his price point at 350K. I'm almost going to just rule him out because of that. But I will say I've never seen anything really in Molo at all. But if he's ever going to bust your heart, like he's not as young as people think, like he's like 27 years old, <laughs> you know, like I've always said, you know, he's missed his, he's kind of missed his window. And I don't understand how he's playing origin and stuff and whatever, but, he started the first five games of last year, right? And he went 39, 48, 33, 34, and 59. Now, some of those games actually had some promise there, and he actually didn't get very many minutes. It was only about 38 minutes a game in that. If somehow he's doing, you know, he's based on 34 minutes a game on his 40 average. The year before, he did 39 minutes a game and did 49 points. If you can get that 49 points out of him, then all of a sudden it actually starts to become interesting. And he's a new club, and I'm going to say the last chance saloon for him to actually cash in and get another good deal after this because he has to perform. So PPM's always been over one the last few years significantly. Um, if he can convert that to a 45-minute roll in that drag in the middle, which isn't asking for too much and sprinkle in some of his 2020 form, maybe there's going to be some money there and it could be a bit low-key. Um, but George Burgess, though, you know, playing off the bench, I think that uh, I started with him just because I needed a placeholder in there that was cheap, Marty. But... Um, he isn't going to have that minutes potential at all. He may very well just get like 24, five minutes a game to start with. And that's going to be real disappointing. Um, so I think that he sort of needs that 35 plus minute role, 40 minute role. And he's not going to get that early on, especially. So Burgess is cheaper and a lot more palatable to spend on for me. But Molo seems to have a lot more opportunity to actually score some points. So do you see either of their roles being able to expand enough at the Dragons for them to make money on relatively cheap price points? They'll actually both make money. The issue is not that. The issue is are there other players that can make more money or other players that can make more money faster or are there other players that are cheaper that can make the same amount of money? And the answer is yes to all three of those. Um, So if you look at Burgess, um, you know, I mean, that injury got at Wigan up. It was just horrendous. I mean, the bloke hasn't played in since the early bit of 2020, um, he's going to be eased back slowly. Even if you look at the charity shield, he played the less minutes of anyone that's out there. You know, I, I reckon he'll probably end up making oh, at least 120000 So if you look at that, so yeah, it's worth having in your team. But it's going to be a super slow burn. One thing about the middle forwards, obviously, is that the draw doesn't really matter in many ways. If you're playing a good team, um, you, you know, your middles actually t- tend to do a lot, particularly if they're big defensive players. You know, it's your playmakers that you need to be looking at your, your ease of drawing, your matchups and stuff. So the draw doesn't matter as much to these sorts of middle players. But, you know, I, I hadn't realised until I, I read an article the other day, like no rugby league player has ever, or no, no sports person has ever come back from a hip injury like this before. He is going to be a slow burn Um there's no real rush to get him in your team. Uh, he, he'll probably go from 247 up to kind of, you know, we're going to go break even at 28. I mean, 
and you, you'll, you'll knock off a break even at 28, 25, 30 minutes, really. And he'll probably get about those minutes to start. Um, he actually is a noted try scorer, Burgess, and when he was younger. He was one of those guys, a bit like, you know, Paul Vaughan, who just, just, just has a skill of getting tries, right? So he is one of those guys that could hurt you, but it's unlikely. Um, and my suspicion would be with him, just chill out for a bit. Um, the, the time may come often in and around origin when all of a sudden you start to get a few injuries in a few positions and, you know, you might look at Burgess and suddenly just go, he's starting. And because of a couple of injured players, he's actually probably going to get 50 minutes, 55 minutes instead of 25. That's the time at which you want to get him because his, his curve is going gonna, is gonna to get so much steeper, so much quicker. Um, so, yeah, so I wouldn't be interested in Burgess at the moment, but um, I think he's great. You'll, you'll make money on him, no doubt about it. Um, Milo is... This might be that you upgrade in round 22, but it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, that's, that's probably true. Um, so Milo's a bloke, um, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's got um, a lot of upside, but there's no doubt about it. He needs to establish himself now. Um, it is a stacked pack, and Molo was signed for both quality and quantity, really. I mean, he's he's had that sort of points for a minute of over 1.1 for a long time. You know, he's often 1.1, 1.2. He gets through a lot of work. Um, but the Cows, I mean, he was only playing 34 minutes a game. And you think to yourself, well, the Cows were terrible last year. You know, and Tao Malolo was injured for a lot of last year. How the hell does this alpha male, in theory, run out for 34 minutes a game? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He was playing badly there. I was actually surprised when he made his origin debut. I don't think his form warranted it. But you mentioned Corey Allen a moment ago. Corey Allen's played origin. You know, the, the, yeah. the depth isn't in Queensland. It's an illustrious list for the Maroons the last three years. Yeah, well, that, that's right. Well, the depth isn't there in Queensland. They've got the bases of the really great, um, but but the depth isn't there. So um, I think the thing about him is I would imagine he is probably going to start with Woods, although his trial form was disappointing. But I, I do think he, him and Woods will be the two starters when you know, when everyone's sort of rocking. Um, I think he'll probably get 45 minutes. Um, so at that sort of point per minute rate, which he will keep up, um, I reckon he'll average probably 52, 54. So that's like 12, 14 points there. Um, and I definitely think he'll hit 460 to 480,000. So, yep, again, there's money there. Um, but if you look at 350, you sort of go, well, he's a, actually it's a very strange pricing point. There's not very much. And, and you see that all the time when you do your team build, particularly in front row, but also in, in second row. You sort of just go, wow, there's a lot of really good value down low and there's a lot of keepers up high. And there's sort of the higher mid-range, there's some good guys. But the actual sort of mid-ish mid-range, there's almost nothing there. You know? So the only person he could really compete against that pricing point is Run James. But realistically, you, you probably need to get a few more pennies and go up to like an arrow, Utokamanu kind of player. Or alternatively, you sort of go, nah, Byron, I'll just go cheap. And you look to someone like Andrew Fafida or Josh King at the Storm. Um, I think Max King at the um, at the uh, Dolls, I think. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of good value low. And I think in our team builds, most of us are probably sort of going, well, I, I feel comfortable having two guys at prop that are, are, are pretty good. Um, not necessarily Payne Haas, but I do think most better teams will have Payne Haas to start. Um, and therefore, on the bench, you're probably looking for some cheaper guys coming off the bench, playing 30, 35 minutes. I don't really see Molo for 351 being significantly better than those players, and I don't see any value there. Yeah, you may as well go for someone that's not really going to be very good as an option, but he's going to cost you less. So, I mean, Spencer Linu may very well plug away at his mid-20s type of scores that, are, that were disappointing last year. 
But, you know, if he's only three or four points below what a Molo does and he's 100K less, then you just sort of do that. It's just much easier. Um, or get the guy that actually replaced Molo for 270K. You know, Tanoa Brown is looking at an increased role potentially. He's younger. Um, he's shown that he can be an up-and-comer and improve year on year the last couple of years. Get him, you know, it's, it's, it's significantly less money. So we're going to finish off on a boom youngster that I really, really like. Talatau Amone. A lot of people have him. He's 36% owned because he's only 285,000 and he's a dual 5.8 centre wing of which there is hardly any of ever. So really interesting positionally where you can put him. Um, you could go, you know, three cheap halves and have him at 5.8. Um, I wouldn't do that, but I have seen teams do it. Um, I think now that we've got Schneider and Ilias, it moves him into a centre wing option. Uh, I do have him in my centre wing. And I'm not going to say he's a must, but I think that it's getting close, close-ish. Um, I think that he might, you know, we've already said with the Dragons that they've got a bad draw and guys like Ramsey are going to suffer early on or whatever. I just think that Amone is just so talented that it's it's not going to really matter and you're going to want him for later on definitely because he's going to make some big dollars at some point because he has a great opportunity there playing that in that six jumper. So the tail of the scoring for last year, he's, he played 51 minutes a game in his half a season, um, scored 32 points a game, but half of those games were off the bench. And when you're looking at those minutes, you're looking at 15 minutes, 21 minutes, 12 minutes, nine minutes, 24 minutes. The rest were his 80 plus minute games where he's a starter. So those ones sprinkled in um, really make it quite appealing. Um, scored a few tries last year in his 11 games. And I think showed some spark, but I think that he's one of those guys, Marty, that are going to be much better off for Monet coming into this year with that experience and having that number six jersey to start with. I guess the small little um, concern in the back of my head that you might be able to alleviate, I'm going to start with him anyway, and I think he's a really good one to start with round one. But they do have some other talented youngsters coming through in the halves. Um, Sullivan, Sullivan is another one um, that isn't necessarily going to make the side from round one. Um is is Amone under a bit of pressure where if in the first month of footy Dragons aren't playing well, it's a pretty bad draw. He doesn't score much, he gets dropped anyway, and they bring someone else in the halves. Like, is that something that might end up happening? 100%. Okay, so um, Amone is a lovely bloke. Um, and, and I have to say, we're really lucky with the Dragons. Um, the, the youngsters that are coming into first grade now, they're just such a lovely bunch of men. I'm really proud. As a supporter, I'm actually really proud of the, the people in my team. Um, coming through, I mean, he's one of them. He's so humble. Um, he's just such a talented person, but he's just you wouldn't even know he was a football player when you talked to him. He's just cool. Um, very super coach friendly game. Um, as you say, most of his games last year were off the bench, but he finished the game with um, three consecutive games of 5 8, scored 41, 42, and 76. And that was against the Cowboys that weren't great, but it was also against the Rabbits and the Roosters. So, I mean, you know, that, and that was at the time when these guys were gearing up for, you know, the finals. So, I mean, he averaged 53 in those only real games he had at 5'8", um, which is pretty good. I reckon that's an accurate gauge. Uh, his his break-even's 32. I reckon if you look at 53, that's about probably where he's at. Um, that's going to be 20-plus points undervalued at a minimum. He'll hit 500,000 this year, I mean, for sure. 
Um, the, uh, the issue with him, firstly, there is timing. So I think he might be a little bit of a slow burn early just because of the draw. Um, that said, you know, these players that are just sort of off the cuff, they, they, he's going to score tries. He's going to get attacking stats. He's a lot bigger than he was last year. He's a lot more confident. Um, there was a game last year where between him, uh, Sullivan, um, and, um, one of the other young blokes that came through, I think it was Sloan, him, Sullivan and Sloan, they, they missed 21 tackles between the three of them. I mean, that's a horrible statistic, right? But they, they, they were 72 kilos, you know, it's just not enough, you know, 72, 75 kilos. These guys are all mid-80 kilos now and they're so much stronger. Um, so um, if you're going to get him in your team and there is a moral to this story, um, just realise that he's not going to come out and turn up in the first month, you know, it's just very unlikely to happen, right? The second thing is that Griffin is already on record as saying the single biggest reason why he bought Moses Umbai is because he wanted to protect his young footballers coming through. He knows that Sullivan, Amoni and Sloan are not capable of doing 25 consecutive games. They are going to get pulverised, right? And particularly when you're playing a position like 5-8, you get a lot of big guys running at you, you know? I mean, he's going to come up against the um, these big edge back rowers, um, he's going to have to, he's going to have games where he makes 20 tackles. He's going to get games when he comes off black and blue. So um, Mumbai is going to shift from his interchange position into both half and 5'8 and fullback from time to time throughout the course of the um, season. And I think you'll find that's also a reason why they've been running Ramsey at fullback to also put some more cover in for Sloan there as well. So any of these young players of the Dragons that you like, just understand right now that historically they're going to lose a few games through injury. If, they, if it is a one-week injury, then they won't come back in one week. They'll be given the next week off. They'll be they'll come back in two weeks. These guys are probably only going to play 18 or 19 games out of the 25 this year because we're looking – we're doing the right thing. We're managing these players. We're looking for the future, right? Um, so the moral to that story is that when you do your team build, and unfortunately I am guilty of not doing this at the moment, um, you don't really want him in your 5-8 position. You really want him in your centre because in centres, you've got four blokes you play and you've got three guys that you just bring in for matchups. If there's an injury, you don't need to trade out your centre. But when he's sitting in a 5-8 position, um, you know, if you're not careful, you're, you're going to have a trade forced on you through an injury or he's going to have to play against a team like the Storm because your other bloke's resting on the sidelines. And so, yeah, in terms of team build, get him in your centres. As I said, unfortunately for me, he's sitting in 5-8 and every time I come up with a great way to get rid of him, I just keep looking at my team going, no, nah, I really like my team. I'm just going to stick with it. Yeah, don't be like me. Be like you. <laughs> Centre wing it is. I, I agree 100% on him. Um, yep. Is that little bit of risk there, but I think that he... We'll still play a lot of first grade. So even if he does get dropped a couple of weeks, whatever, you can leave him there and make the money in the centre wing. Um, Marty, that's the Dragons. I really appreciate it. Such a passionate, well-informed Dragon supporter coming on to talk about their upcoming season with me, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been good being here. And um, I actually already put my bet with Top Sport. I got Dragons at 2.30. So down in the even money now. But um, yeah, there were some really juicy markets that opened up. Dragons at 2.30, there you go. And it's going to be wet weather footy as well. So something else to take into account if you want to take some of the lines too. Marty, we will chat again soon. Everybody else, you can download the podcast as always on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore Allstars. And definitely give us a subscribe or a like so you get the episodes as soon as they come out. 
got the South Sydney and the Dragons episodes dropping today for the team previews. We've got a TLT Super Coach episode dropping on Wednesday with me and Billy going through that. And then we've got our talking footy episode at the end of the week. It's a real full on week for the All Stars podcast. So bringing out as much content as I can this week to catch up. Good luck with your teams. Good luck with TLT. I can't wait to talk to you about it in 24 hours. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. Only shooting stars break the 